Good morning. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read um, from Psalms uh, 96 this morning. It says, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his marvelous deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that uh, that we declare when we hear your word and read your word, God. And we do praise you, God. We do sing to you this morning. And we thank you for salvation. We thank you for uh, the truth that the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. And so I just pray that you would be with this time this morning as we worship and adore you, God. We love you. And all his people said, amen. Amen. All right. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Now we're running free. We are accepted for 
every other name, God. We speak the name of Jesus. So let's sing the name of Jesus. Let's sing that name that's high above every other name. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power
from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness for every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Jesus in the darkness of 
every stronghold, every sickness. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Let's sing His name is power. We love you, Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love. for that right now but I also pray for my church family and, and what people that I care about what they're going through right now and so I, I just want to lift them up and others that we haven't mentioned but Yvonne and that rip thing and so I just I just pray for healing supernatural healing to just flow through them right now just pour your spirit on them and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is our offering time, and so if you'd like, there's all the different ways that we can give. We can, um, you can give in the buckets up here. You, you can, I've already seen some people put in the green box um, on the door going out of this room as well as going out of the building. There's two green boxes that you can put your offering in but that's that's a continuation of our worship so um, but those are available to you right now
with nothing 
but all you have given me Jesus bring new wine out of me so make me a vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be God I came here with nothing but all you me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Oh, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. to the, the clay on the potter's wheel. What do they call it? Throwing it or whatever. And they throw it on that thing and you mash it all up. That Man, that's hard. I've been there before. But the wine that comes is so awesome. Amen. Y'all be seated. New wine, new wine skins. Man, I believe that we're coming to a place where we're going to see wine skins and wine like we've never seen, certainly in the last several lifetimes of the church. I believe that time is coming because the world is crazy and we need it. Uh, um, a couple of announcements. One, that October is one of the our serve special serve times through the year and we'll do help do with the Meals on Wheels stuff for the month of October, all the weekdays in October. And so we'll have a sign-up sheet for that next week. And you'll you'll want to post, 
get your, um, it's already out there. Okay, you'll want to get your bid in on your favorite days because those, those actually went fast last year. And so um, put that on your calendar. Um, life group launch is September the 24th, our life group launch. Durant is actually doing their life group launch today, and Pastor Zach's message will refer to some of that. Um, uh, the youth group will start meeting, the, that's the older youth, uh, ages 15 through and including 18, and that is this Wednesday at 6.30. And then all, but all our other life groups will launch on the 24th, and one of those Brent is the leader of that, and he's going to come up and share about that, and then we'll take a five-minute break. Brent, you want to come share about that? Um, Yeah, so the life group that we host is um, called Practicing the Way, and it's it's from um, a parachurch ministry from a a pastor named John Mark Comer. Um, It's basically a reintroduction of of spiritual disciplines, which they call practices, because in America we don't like discipline anymore. Um, and so, and there's all kinds of baggage associated with disciplines, because, you know, the devil convinced us that disciplines probably should be phased out, because they were all about earning God's favor, and you can't earn God's favor. Um, but that's actually not what the disciplines are designed for. They're designed to actually be an avenue or a pathway to become closer to Jesus. So the whole point of any spiritual discipline or practice is to meet with Jesus. And um, so, you know, we've started doing this and it, it's gone really well. Um, uh, Haley and Logan uh, come um, with their tyrants, uh, loving little tyrants. Um, and then uh, Jen comes, um, uh, who, let's see, uh, I've got a friend from my work, Haley uh, Muse, that comes. Um, who am I missing? Jeff Briner. Um, so, you know, y'all are, are welcome to come. Um, Landry just started coming recently. Uh, but it, it's it's really designed to be a pretty committed group um, because it's about moving through these disciplines and these practices together and learning how to basically build them into our lives. Um, one of the things that Jesus said in John 15, he says, I am the vine you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I remain in him, then he produces much fruit. But without me, he can do nothing. And he goes on four or five verses later and says, remain in me like a million times. Okay. So it appears that we have to remain in him to bear anything good in our lives. And that's what this group is about is um, trying to figure out how to integrate these uh, practices into our lives so that our, our life is remaining in Him. And these are just basically like anchors or tethers to keep us there. It meets on Friday nights twice a month. I'm sorry, it's confusing because I'm on call and random weird times with my career. And so we have to build it around that. So it can't be like this perfect, beautiful first and third or second and fourth. But um, twice a month we we meet and we'd love to have you. It's actually something that you could do yourself. If Friday nights don't work for you, I could show you the curriculum that we're using, it is, it is user friendly. I mean, it's amazing. And so you really, if you're just willing to host, um, and walk with other Jesus followers into this, you could, you could easily do it. So I'm happy to, I think we, I would love to see our church have four or five of these groups on various different nights, various different people hosting them, because I think it would probably change our church. Um, so I think, 
I think that's it. Um, if you're like, wait, what are the practices? I'll, I'll tell you those real quick. Uh, the practices are, or the disciplines are community, fasting, simplicity, Sabbath, solitude, prayer, scripture, vocation, and hospitality. So if you're like, I don't want any of those, please don't come. If some of those sound interesting, you're welcome. Um, and because I always talk longer than Steve wants me to, I'm going to leave you with this one quote that I heard yesterday. It says, intimacy only resides within the safety of commitment. You can have autonomy or you can have intimacy. Pick. And I think that's something that we need to remember as we're talking about life groups and launching life groups. It's really something we need to remember today. And y'all don't need to remember it because you're here, unless you're planning on not being here next week um, for reasons that aren't that awesome. But like, if we really want intimacy in this group, if we really want to stand up on this stage and call each other family, then there's a commitment level that has to be there. And without that, there will be no intimacy. There will just be autonomy and you kind of coming when you want to come. We come when it feels good for us. So I think we need to continue to press into commitment, press into devotion, and we will see intimacy come alongside it. So. You got three minutes left of the five, so take three minute break and we'll be right back to hear from Pastor Zach. Good morning, beloved. How are you? Have you been called beloved in a while? Okay, well, today's your day. Praise God. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 17. John's just my favorite. How about you guys? It's okay if he's not. You're growing in the Lord, but John's my favorite and. I've had this stirring in my heart for a little while and uh, so excited for the opportunity to get to minister God's word to you today. And I believe in praying as many times as we can throughout a service. Uh, There's something about the power of prayer that's not just found individually but corporately when we pray together as a church. And I think it'd be fitting to open up the message today with reading a little bit of what's known as Jesus's high priestly prayer. This is the prayer that Jesus prays immediately before in John's gospel, he is betrayed and arrested. So we're going to look at John 17, verse 20 through 23, and we're going to make this our prayer today. How many of you would be willing to pray Jesus's prayer with me this morning? Okay. Now, if you don't have it memorized, you don't know what you're about to pray, so I'm glad that you were at least willing to to jump in. Uh, off the high dive first thing so John chapter 17 verse 20 through 23 I'm gonna read this out of the new living translation that's where I've been hanging out a lot lately I don't know about you but there's sometimes I just get tired and I like the new living because it just is explaining it for me exactly like it says Uh, I don't have to do a bunch of the word study and go back and break down individual parts I just really have been refreshed in my private reading with that translation Uh, It's okay if you don't like it. Once again, you're growing in the Lord. So uh, John's my favorite, and I like the New Living Translation right now. Let's pray, but let's pray Jesus' words together just from our heart as we read this with a prayerful posture of heart. The Lord Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you're in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. 
I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And all the church said, amen. Well, we're launching our groups today for the fall season, the fall semester. Wasn't it cool to see beautiful people on the screen that are opening up their lives and their hearts and their homes and just fostering godly community? Let's give them a round of applause. They're doing a great job. And we really appreciate all of our group leaders, those that serve in Disciple School, which will be kicking back off this week on Wednesday night. So many have found belonging and community and growing in their individual gifts of the Spirit through that setting. And many continue to meet outside of the walls and the halls of the church and make space and time at coffee shops and restaurants and their homes and bass boats, wherever they might be, and fellowshipping one with another, talking about the things of the kingdom. How many of you know that Jesus came to bring the eternal kind of life into real life? God, through Jesus Christ, revealed what this life that humanity was always designed for was supposed to be and how it was supposed to be lived out. And Jesus is in the process of establishing a group of people on the earth that model the fulfillment of what every human heart is longing for. How many of you know that we all desire to be known by name and we all desire to be desired? Everybody within the sound of my voice, no matter what life experience you've had, no matter what difficulty or challenge you might have faced in your human experience, all of you desire for somebody to know your name and to be desired by a somebody. God knows your name. I love what the scripture says is that Jesus has actually inscribed our names on the palms of his hands. And it says there's a day coming that will be known even as we're known. The book of Revelation says that in the day that we're before the Lord and this eternal fulfillment of God's kingdom that we're given a white stone with the name on it that only he knows us by. I'm here to tell you today that nobody knows you like Jesus knows you. Isn't that comforting? And I love the song that we sing that the one that knows you best is the one that loves you most. How many of you are glad that I don't know everything about you? And how many of you know that I'm also glad that you don't know everything about me? Okay. Everybody knows that the pastor is just a person, right? He's just a person that was crazy enough to say yes to what God told him to do. How many of you know we're all supposed to be that crazy? We're all supposed to be saying yes to whatever the Lord's telling us to do. But it's so comforting to me, that lyric of that song that we sing, that the one that knows me best is the one that loves me most. God knows everything about you. And I love how Pastor Colton started off the service today, so in line with some of the places that I'm going to go. And it's that God knows everything about you, and he still picks you every day. God knows everything about you, and he still desires fellowship with you. How many of you would be honest to say that you haven't always been the best friend to Jesus? If we're honest, so much of our life, if we're not careful after the flesh, we default to being forgetful of the Lord, not turning our attention and our affection toward him in the daily moments of each day. It takes practice, in the words of Brother Lawrence, to practice the presence of God. How many of you were just naturally great at communicating with your spouse when you first got married? 
How many of you learned fairly early on that just because you said a thing doesn't mean that's the thing that's heard and just because you heard a thing didn't mean that was the thing that was said? I'm way too tired to be able to pull off that tongue twister, but I did it, praise God. That was the grace of God. I don't even know where that came from. That might have been in tongues. Hopefully that was in English. Did you hear that? (laughs) How many of you know that you had to grow in what it means to practice fellowship with your spouse? Grow in what it means to practice intimacy, to practice an opening of your heart, an opening of your emotions, and to begin to attend to each other. I love that phraseology from the scripture. He must have been reading something other than the new living in his call to worship this morning about God alluring to us or wooing us, beckoning us into a place of deep-seated fellowship. I don't know if you know this or not, but today's your day for revelation and discovery. God loves everybody in this room right now. Every single person in this room is loved by God. Every single person in this room, God desires a close, intimate fellowship with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 17 is actually my favorite. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. I know God, everybody, I know God loves everybody in this room because he loved you before you were in the room. The scripture says that God so loved the world. How many of you know it doesn't say for God so loved the church? Because the raw material that he's got to build his church, Pastor Landon, is the world. So God had to love you before you were lovely. God loves you in the midst of you being, even to others, unlovable. And the title of today's talk is Build the Church. This is our theme for our groups for this fall, Build the Church. And I think it's a beautiful thing to remember and to realize that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 16, says that he will build his church and the gates of hell hell will not prevail against it. The raw material that Jesus needs to build his church is in the world and his people that were in the world. How many of you are glad that you have been rescued from the world and the ways of this world and have brought into the family of God? So I know God loves everybody in this room because he loved you before you were in the room. How many of you believe that if you made a decision to step out of the room, God's love would be the same? Your experience of it would be different. But God's love would be the same. God's love would be constant. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church. I think a lot of times stress and pressure and exhaustion comes to the body of Christ when we try to do the things that Jesus is actually doing. The scripture doesn't tell us that any of us are responsible for building Christ's church. The scripture says that we are not responsible for that. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But how many of you know that we all have a part to play in the partnering with the work that God's already doing? The best place to be in the Christian life is just to say, God, I'm in on whatever you're doing. If you were going out to eat with God, he's got a very, very distinguished palate. Whatever he would order, you should say, I'll have what he's having. The best place to be in the Christian life is just to say, I will be in on whatever you're in on, God. Because truly, God's only limitation in the world today 
God's only limitation in the church today. God's only limitation in your family. God's only limitation in your business. God's only limitation in the chaotic mess of your inner world and what God's trying to work into your heart through the grace empowerment of the Holy Spirit is simply our lack of cooperation. The best place to be is in agreement with what God's already doing. The scripture says that where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing from the Lord. Unity is done on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Paul tells the Corinthian church that he or she that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. How many of you know that you being joined to the Lord in one spirit is a work that you could not do? It's a work that you had to surrender to. How many know that the building of the church is not a work that you can do, it's a work that you surrender to? There's things that God is doing in the earth and is gonna do in the earth whether you voted yes or no on him being in office. And I'll tell you this, that the most beautiful thing to me and the most encouraging thing about Jesus is that he's not king by election. He's king by appointment of the father and there is no term limit to his lordship or his kingship. And the royal announcement of his gospel, the King Jesus gospel is this, is that Jesus is the king of everything. So now you've got to decide if you're going to cooperate with that or not. And the quicker that you choose to cooperate, which is not through means of dominance and macho manipulation, It's done very much through what Pastor Colton prophesied at the service. God wooing us, speaking to us, trying his best to bring us into a relationship of not just covenant, but what it means to cherish his body, his bride, the church. Ephesians chapter five says that Jesus so loved the church that he gave himself up for her having washed her and cleansed her by the washing of the water word so that he could present to himself the church without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. How many of you know that Jesus loves his church so much he's not just committed to it, he cherishes it. God desires not just to be faithful to it, God desires through his son Jesus Christ to cherish his bride, his body. And there's a work that he's doing which is adding to his family, adding to his church day in and day out. Matthew 16 again says that Jesus, speaking to Peter, says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Interesting thing here to note is that Jesus is not intimidated by what the devil's up to. Jesus says, my work is gonna continue. Don't care what the other guy's doing. My work is gonna continue. The building of my church, the rescuing and saving of the lost, those that are in the world that need to be found is gonna continue to happen. The infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of God's presence and power is going to happen. Doesn't matter how many devils try to stop it. Doesn't matter if the devil himself decides to shut down every road to the church. God is going to build his church and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it which encourages us, but at the same time, it should sober us up a little bit. Because you have to look at things in the scripture, not just for the pat on the back. And you can't just search the scripture for the spiritual hallmark cards from God of thinking about you, hope you're feeling better, okay? We have to search the scripture for the instruction. I believe that we're in a time that was prophesied over us at Jubilee by Mary Baker, Pastor Jim's wife, that we as a house 
have this open heaven. She saw it in the spirit and spoke it over. You have an open heaven to heavenly strategy. Heavenly strategy. And I believe that we have to move into a time and place of looking at the scriptures, not just for the purposes of making sure that we feel encouraged and that we feel built up, but we have to look at the word of God in this hour as preparation for the plans and purposes that he wants to accomplish on the earth. We need to be searching the scriptures for insight and for strategy that God wants to release in this time. Because I don't know about you, but I believe that there's at least 75% of the people in this room that are saying, I want whatever God's ordering. I want to be in on whatever God's doing. Jesus said he would build the church. How many of you know that Jesus can build the church, but he wants you to help? Jesus wants you to be involved. And no matter what age or stage you're at in your Christian life or journey, God has a job for you. God has something for you to do. It reminds me of my pa, Pa Bacchus. And Pa's a man, essentially like a master carpenter. And I grew up with Pa a lot during the summer. And uh, it's how I, one of my favorite things to do, Pa was a, a fire chief for the Texoma Volunteer Fire Department. And during the summer on Mondays, I'd go with him to the firehouse and we would just, there was a group of guys got together and we had to start the trucks. You had a log that the trucks actually run. That's a good thing to do, amen? You test them out and you run them and there was a place, there was a little gas station that we used to go to after. We went to each firehouse and started the trucks and we'd sit there and we'd sit there with a, a group of older guys and I'd be the only kid at the table and I was probably at eh, Judah's age, maybe a little bit younger when I'd sit there. And my favorite thing on Monday mornings, besides going with Pa to start up the trucks, was to sit at the gas station slash coffee house and get this microwavable biscuit. And uh, Pa was like, all good, grandpas. It's like by the time, you know, we were up since four that morning. So by the time we got there, it was like only 8.30. And not only did Pa let me have a, a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, he always let me get, be the first one to use the Slurpee machine. So uh, mom wasn't real big, you know, I mean, having a lot of sugar, but I was with Pa, I could get a sausage biscuit and I could get a big old pina colada Slurpee, you know, or whatever was in the thing. So that was breakfast, man. But my favorite thing to do besides starting the trucks was getting to go and sit there and listen to the conversation because I learned a lot what they talked about. I was, I was a part of the fire department, you know, I was, I was the assistant chief anytime I was around. It's the same stuff. People haven't changed. They'd see Paul. They say, looks like you got the boss with you, right? Me <laughs> sitting down. But my favorite thing to do is that whenever you got all the old guys by themselves with their wife's not around, they talk like they really wanted to. <laughs> and that was my favorite because I heard Paul use words he never used around Granny. <laughs> and Johnny across the table from me, man, he taught me how many, he taught me just, he taught me how to cuss with style. It's like you could take, it's like, it was like verb conjugation, but for profanity. It was awesome. As a little kid, man, I just loved to listen to the old man cuss. It just cracked me up. I don't know why. I thought it was hilarious. It was amazing. And this guy would be saying this thing about this guy and this guy. And this lady walked by. Oh, well, good morning, ma'am. God bless you. So not only did I find out about, not only did I find out about how old men are when they're away from their wives, I found out how church people are. <laughs> Good morning, ma'am. God bless you. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some situations and circumstances that you just can't think of of the right way to express yourself without some expressive language. 
And I'm a fan of vocabulary, so I'm not condemning everybody. I'm saying sometimes you just don't say everything the right way. You're just trying to get across how you feel, all right? I'm not condoning cussing or anything like that, but we're all human, and I believe that you're holy, but if you stub your pinky toe in the middle of the night on your bedpost, I don't believe you're to a place that just tongues rises up out of you every time. (laughs) And if you are to that place, well, praise God. You are amongst the mature. I'm sure you're part of the 144,000 in the book of Revelation. (laughs) And we'll see you in the millennial kingdom riding the millennial falcon or whatever it is that you're gonna be doing, but... Isn't it good to laugh? You say, I never heard a preacher talk about cussing before. Well, like I said, I don't want you to know everything about me. All right, so. <laughs> Jesus says he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Interesting insight. Let's look at this through the lens of some, of some strategy here. This is my strategy when I do this. Strategy lens. If he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, how many of you that gives me some insight that God's church can't be torn down from the outside in? God's church is such a fortified structure. It is such a pristine state of the art. How many of you appreciate that like we have, you know, security teams at the church? I do. I'm so thankful uh, we've got off-duty law enforcement that help us out, and especially bigger events and all those different kinds of things. They're phenomenal servants of God, and we're, we're blessed to have them. Romans say, the book of Romans says that our civil servants, military and law enforcement, and all those that bear the sword don't bear it in vain. They're servants of God to execute wrath on wrongdoers, and they're called to that particular ministry, and it's a ministry unto the Lord. It's not for everybody. The same way preaching ain't for everybody. Trust me, you don't want preaching to be for everybody. And it's the same way those that are called to bear the sword. That's not a job for everybody. And there's a lot of people doing it that shouldn't be doing it, just like there's preachers that are preaching that shouldn't be preaching. Uh, But we have to be thankful for those that are legitimately called by God and are used that way. So we're thankful for, for our men and women in uniform and what they do. That's powerful. But I'm telling you this, nobody's got a security team like God's got security. Anybody ever seen an angel before? Some of you? From what I heard, I've never seen one with my eyes open. I've seen them in visions and those kinds of things. But I'm telling you, any time that I talk to anybody that's actually seen one, they don't sound like people that you'd want to try to mess with. God's church is a fortified structure. God's church has legions of angels Each one of you have one that's assigned to you at birth and some of you actually start doing stuff for God and he's got to send in reinforcements. You got more. You got more than just one. Some of you can get by with just one. That's good. God loves you enough to give you one. But some of you, man, you've got a troop that marches around you. There's some of you who are so crazy for Jesus, man. They got to anticipate what you're going to do every day. So they get up early. They scout the town. They know where you're going to go that day. They clear the perimeter before you get there. That's a powerful thing. That's not just a feel-good thought. That's a real deal. God's church is so secure. God's church is so certified or so fortified. Uh, You ever watch those movies about uh, people trying to pull off some type of a heist and they get to this this really state-of-the-art facility or this really crazy, you know, government building or whatever it is. And whoever the strategist is, that's kind of the bad guy, but you'd like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like... Why am I cheering on the robber? You ever watch those movies and be like, man, I hope they steal everything. What's happening with me? 
it's cool. You know, it's always like George Clooney or something. How can you not like him, you know? So, but anyway, in the movie. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is that there's some of these buildings and these structures that they figure out the only way we're gonna be able to get the goods is we gotta have an inside. Man, it's gotta be what's called, what's called, <laughs> I'm talking like I know all this. What, what's called is, this has gotta be an inside job. And there's things, crime that happens like that all the time. Something gets pulled off so seamlessly that the investigators will say it had to have been an inside job. It had to be somebody with clearance. Uh-oh, some of you don't like where I'm going with this. It had to be somebody with clearance. Somebody with the access code. Somebody with the scan to be able to get in, to be able to do what the enemy cannot do from the outside. We're gonna go some places today. Hopefully, hopefully you'll come with me. I haven't had my full cup of coffee, but we can still get there on time if you stay with me. Start lagging behind, then I gotta slow down, and then we're late, and then the next service, people are showing up while people are coming in, and you know I have this time problem as it is, so don't make me lag behind, stay with me. How many of you are with me this morning? God's church is being built. The Lord Jesus Christ is building his church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. How many of you know against it? To me, what I see is like a wave pressing in from the outside. God's church cannot be tore down from the outside. God's church cannot be touched from the outside. In any given situation and circumstance, where damage is tried to be done to the house of God, how many of you know that the devil has to use inside men and women to be able to get it done? Jesus' original little called out ones that he had, you know, I think about this uh, entourage of Jesus, this initial calling of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. How many of you know that there was a lot of ill will that Jesus started having towards the religious community of his day towards the government officials of his day, but no matter how they tried, he was able to slip away. Jesus would be in certain situations and circumstances and it would say in the scripture that these people wanted to kill him. And next thing you know, Jesus would be in the getaway boat, drifting away. It wasn't until the devil found an access point through Judas, head of the accounting department. There's no correlations there, okay? Judas, who was in charge of the treasury for the ministry that was helping himself to a little bit off the top, the devil, the scripture says, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. The devil watched and waited for somebody with the wrong kind of character, with the wrong kind of integrity to be an inside operative to be able to do what he wanted to be able to do. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the devil tries to always find a way in. That's why the scripture says, Peter, Satan has demanded to be able to sift you like wheat. Judas, at the Last Supper, Jesus's small group was 12 guys, and yes, there's always a risk anytime you start actually living life with people to find yourself at the table with a Judas. And I believe I've got a message today for two particular groups of people. I believe that there's people that want to be in on what God's doing, 
want to partner with the Lord Jesus to see his church built and grown and established and to see the kingdom advance into every facet of society and every part of this county. And they know it's going to take them opening up their hearts, their hands, their wallets, their homes, their schedule again, but they're hurt because at one point in life, they had a Judas at their table. There's a group of people I want to talk to today that want to be in on what God's doing, but they've had a Judas at their table. Judas was at the table at the Last Supper and it says that the devil entered into him. Very clear language in the scripture that the Satan entered into him. And Jesus looked at him and said, not to Judas, but to the devil, go do what you're planning on doing. This is after Jesus washed his feet. How many of you know Jesus, Judas would have been in the feet washing? Jesus was even at the table for the breaking of bread and the distribution of the Lord's cup. It wasn't until afterwards that the devil found a way into the heart of Judas and Jesus looked at the devil and said, go do what you're planning on doing. And it's at the same place in time that we see pretty close a Peter. Gotta love Peter. Always open up his mouth before he thinks. Like many of us, I love Peter. I, I, I appreciate Peter. And Peter figures out Jesus is talking about dying. And Peter tells the Lord at one place in the scripture, Lord, no, far be it from you that this would ever happen. And Jesus recognizes the devil operating through Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You have your mind set on the things of man, not the things of God. The devil rebuked, sorry, Jesus rebuked the devil from operation, but the devil couldn't get close enough to Jesus after he saw that his standoff with him in the wilderness wasn't gonna be successful. And Jesus, after his standoff with the devil individually, now calls the very beginning foundation of the church. And it becomes such a fortified structure. How many of you know that the scripture says where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing from God? I showed you two weeks ago when I was here that in John 6, Jesus starts talking so crazy which is how you know when the preacher's actually preaching good, when it sounds so crazy that people get mad and leave. I had like a whole row of people leave. It's like the first time it's ever happened while I was preaching John 6. It's kind of <laughs> hilarious to me. But anyways, uh, Pete, Pete, Peter, we'll call him Pete, was in the group that didn't leave Jesus in John 6. You guys remember this? It's only been two weeks ago. The crowds leave, even some of the disciples leave. The 12 are still there and Jesus says, are you gonna leave too? Peter says, we ain't got anywhere to go. You've got the words of life, we're sticking with you. How many of you know, no matter what's happening around us, we just have to make a decision to be in on whatever Jesus is doing, whatever Jesus is saying. But that same guy with like the inspirational moment, with like the Denzel Washington, remember the Titan speech, Lord, with tears in his eyes, where else would we go? You have the words of life and we've come to know that you are the Christ. And Jesus is like, that's good. Just a couple days later, the same Pete is, Lord, be it far from you. This doesn't have to happen. And the same guy that got a pat on the back by Jesus is now getting told, get behind me, Satan. Welcome to church. Welcome to you. Welcome to me. Welcome to relationship. Jesus is building his church regardless of what you decide to do. But if you make a decision to be in on it, you have this beautiful 
promise that you're brought into this fortified, protected structure that's advancing against the powers of darkness. But I've got a caution for you today. And this is this. If you have made a decision to be in on whatever God's doing, I guarantee you that the enemy is looking for opportunities to find his way into your situations, into your relationships. Because for him to pull off what he's got to do can't happen from the outside. It can only happen from the inside. He always has to have an inside man. Look at Galatians chapter five, verses 13 through 15. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. I would tell you this, that if we're not careful and if we don't heal from some of our hurts and if some of us don't re-engage in this building work that God wants to do of his church, because there's two groups of people here. There's a group of people I feel like I'm supposed to talk to and we're gonna pray for it in the service that have had a Judas at the table. And essentially what that means is that at one time in your life, You, like a naive little kid, were in on whatever God was doing. You jumped into it head first. Your heart was open. Your hands were open. Your wallet was open. You started stopping and praying for people everywhere that you went. And you started having people into your house. And the next thing you knew, the people that sat across the table and ate the free food are the people spreading stuff about you around town that's not true. And the people that you let into your life and the 12 that you called to yourself, one of them did a work of betrayal that really hurt you, that real, really damaged you. And what you did is you pulled back the generosity. What you did is you pulled back the hospitality. And without meaning to, over a series of years, what begins to happen whenever we're hurt by a Judas at the table is that our circle becomes a lot smaller than it used to be. And for some of us, we don't have an open chair at the table anymore because we had a Judas at the table. We got rid of that chair. There's no longer a spot at the table. There's another group of people that I'll get to in a minute. But take a look at this really quick with me. John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. This is how it starts off in the New Living. John 13, 31 through 35. Everybody still with me this morning? As soon as Judas left the room, man, I'm here first to talk to a category of people that have had a Judas at your table. And now I want to take a moment to pastor you a little bit in the words of Jesus and talk to you now that Judas has left the room. Judas has left your life. For some of you, it could have been last week, a couple months. Some of you could have been years ago. But everything moving forward will be decided on what you do with the moment after Judas leaves the room. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son and he will do, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come to where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Let's, let's hold the tension here. Judas has just left the room. Only Jesus knows what Judas is actually going to do. 
the disciples are all about in the next set of verses going to see what Judas was actually doing because not only is Judas going to do the betrayal, Judas through the empowerment of the devil is gonna pull Jesus in close enough for a kiss so that he can stab him in the back. I mean, if you know, if you're being honest, it's tough to recover from that type of hurt. Jesus knows where this thing's headed. Jesus knows what Judas is going to do. And as soon as Judas leaves the room, Jesus gives a commandment. And I feel like Jesus today would like to step in to the middle of that painful situation in your life where you have attempted to partner with God for the building of his church. You've attempted to be in on what it means to not just be a member of the gathered throughout the week or scattered throughout the week, but a member of of the gathered you've attempted in your life to open up your heart, your home, to put your family around people that needed help. You have been moved with the compassion of God to love the world and to love your brothers and sisters, but you've ended up with a Judas at the table. And as soon as Judas leaves the room, Jesus is stepping in to give a command. And the question is, after a Judas leaves the room, are we still willing to hear what Jesus has to say? Because sometimes whenever Judas leaves the room, Judas isn't only the one that leaves. Sometimes we leave the table too. Sometimes the hurt is so much that we're not ready to hear what Jesus has to say. But Jesus ties this beautiful moment between Judas leaving the room and this commandment that he gives. He says this, so now I'm giving you a commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. I love Jesus because he's the beautiful one. Uh, Everything about Jesus is just fascinating to me. Beautiful doesn't even sum it up. It's just like this perfect work of art. It's the perfect oceanscape. It's the perfect day. It's the perfect Christmas memory. It's the perfect uh, romantic date with your spouse that you'll always remember. It's all, Jesus is all of that times infinity. It's the beauty of his life is just unmatched. Jesus is saying, he's teaching exactly what he's already practiced. Jesus says, I give you a commandment love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus is saying what he's already modeled. How many of you know Judas was invited to the foot washing? Judas was invited to the breaking of bread and the cup. Judas was there being loved the same by Jesus the entire time. And if that doesn't blow your mind, it should. Because I don't know about you, but... I know me and I don't have the spirit of Jesus that comes on me all the time whenever I feel like I have to interact with the Judas. I have the spirit of Peter that comes on me. And Peter was so upset about the situation that he drew a sword and he chopped the guy's ear off. And I gotta tell you, sometimes that feels a lot better than washing the feet of a sorry sucker. But how many of you know that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And the only way for the devil to accomplish what he's going to try to accomplish, which by the way, even though the devil finds inside people, how many of you know it's always a small splash? Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. But I'm here to tell you that the only way that the devil can find an opportunity in the church is in and through church people. 
which is how we end up with Jesus, or how we end up with Judas is at our table. And Judas leaves the room and Jesus gives a command. Jesus says, keep loving each other. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have said that would be our exemplary Christian witness to the world. Jesus could have said that the world will know that you're my disciples because you speak in tongues. I'm gonna tell you the truth. If you go on an elevator and you start speaking in tongues, people aren't gonna know that you're Jesus' disciple. They're just gonna think you're crazy. (laughs) You'll be having a great time. I don't speak to this from experience, but you will be having a great time. Everybody else in the elevator will be having a very confusing time. Jesus didn't say that the world will know you're my disciples because everywhere you go, your shadow will heal people. I'm praying for that. I would love for just my shadow to heal people because to be honest with you, there's a lot of times I get so tired of dealing with people, I don't really want to talk to anybody when I'm out and about, but I still want to keep my love on, so just my shadow passing by, that'd be great. Just drive by ministry, wouldn't that be awesome? Let my shadow fall on you. I don't got time to talk, but let me hit you with my shadow. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Praise God, because I don't want anybody to be sick. All right. But the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say that the world will know that you're my disciples because you have this revelatory knowledge of the scriptures. Jesus Jesus didn't say the world will know you're my disciples because you wear Christian t-shirts. Jesus didn't say the world will know you're my disciples because you've prospered. You got a nice house, a nice car. Jesus didn't say that the world know you're my disciples because your kids always look so pretty and cute. Your family looks so happy. Jesus didn't say the world would know your disciples for that. He said this, the world will know you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. So what do you think the heist that the devil is after inside of the body of Christ? Whatever he can do to make you stop loving each other. However many Judases he can figure out to put at your table. However many inside people he can find to make you want Christ, but not his church. Because here's the truth of it, beloved. For many Christians, we want the destination of where God's taking us, our calling, the manifestation of the destiny of God in our life. We want the destination, but... If we've had a Judas at the table, we don't necessarily want the companions for the journey. Because we know at the end of the day, all you need is Jesus. But Jesus said that the world will know you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. If we're not careful and we don't heal from having Judases at the table, we'll still want God's blessing, but not the unity. But the scripture says that you only get unity you only get a commanded blessing through unity. If we don't heal from Judas's at our table and Judas's that have been in our lives, which were not very often the lost and the hurting, but those that were supposed to be found, those that knew enough, those that knew better. Let me be honest with you. The ones that hurt are the ones that know enough about you to hurt you. And no one knows enough about you until they get close to you. Am I talking to anybody this morning? If we don't heal from the Judases at our table, we'll want to build the church with Jesus, but not bear each other's burdens. If we don't heal from the Judases at our table, we'll want the breakthrough, just not a battle buddy. If we don't heal from Judases at our table, we'll want to discover our purpose, just not if it means we have to deal with difficult people. If we don't heal from Judases at our table, we aren't able to see that our family and God's family is the exact same thing. 
And if we're not careful, if we don't heal from the Judases at our table, we can be guilty of wanting Christ without his church. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus gave a command. And I would tell you that your healing is found in the fulfillment of the command. But the problem is, is that so many of us want God to deal with our wants. But Jesus is about dealing with your needs. Because he reveals the father that's a good and perfect father. How many of you have a parenting philosophy that's giving your kid everything that they want? Bad philosophy. How many of you know that there is a big difference between what your kid needs versus what they want? And it's okay. You have to be okay being unpopular in your house and maybe one day not getting the picture that says best dad ever. (laughs) Because children are people and people are children and they're fickle. (laughs) Their emotions change based upon whoever the highest bidder is. It's, you have to risk being unpopular to do what's needed, not just what's wanted. How many of you know that you don't heal from the Judases at the table until you make a decision to obey the commandment that's inserted after he leaves the room? We just want God to give us what we want. But you don't understand that what you want will actually change when you receive what you need. And what you need is obedience to Jesus. What you need is death to yourself. What you need is to remember that Jesus said, anybody that wants to follow me is going to have to take up their cross, which means that your destiny is not just you fulfilling all the feel-good stuff on the inside of you. Your destiny is going to continually be interrupted by not just one. I guarantee if you do this long enough, you'll discover there's a lot more than one Judas that can be at your table. But the truth is, I'm not at the table for Judas. I'm at the table for him. And I'm not at the table to be me. Okay, let me help you with something. Your biggest problem is not the devil, it's you. Your biggest problem is not your spouse, it's you. Well, you don't know my spouse. I know they picked you. It's you. Who decides if we heal from the Judases at our table? You. Jesus says, after Judas leaves the room, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Some of you have to heal from a Judas at your table to be able to step back into godly community, to be able to not just be a church attender, but actually a church member. Having know that to be a member of a church means to be a, there's a reason we use the word member because we're all members, we're all parts of the body of Christ and you don't get to be a floating, you can if you want, but it, it's a problem, you gotta go, you can't you can be a floating rib in the body of Christ. You, you're not supposed to be disconnected. The only way to be connected is somebody has to know you and you have to be known by somebody else. So we don't talk about groups 
couple times a year because we really like just wanting to sit in back offices and pat ourselves on the back and say, you should see how many groups we've got. No, a lot better things to do than that. The reason we like to see people connected is because we have said yes to Jesus building his church. And you can't have a church that's being built without connection. And groups take on many different shapes and sizes and forms. Group for some is two people. Group for others, three. The question is, are you in on whatever God's telling you to do in regards to building his church to the level that you're willing to heal from the person that's been at your table that's been a Jews? Because there's really two groups of people here. Because the real point of today and me talking this way is not so that you have this deep visceral reaction to start a small group. My point in talking this way this morning is really so that you would have a deep visceral reaction to what it means to connect and to belong and to provide connection and belonging to somebody else. Because as great as it is to have your family at six at church every Sunday, it's even better if your family of six multiplies to a family of 12 because you made a decision to bring another family under your wing. The point of church and us coming together is so that we would recognize this type of unity that Jesus prayed for us to have. We open the service with John 17. And they may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory you've given me so they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What if this great testimony to the world that God wants to release is found in the unity of the body of Christ? Which means that I don't just get to regard you as an attender of a similar Christian event if we're talking about church, I don't get to regard you as an intender of an event on Sunday. I, by the Lord's mandate, have an obligation now to see you as imperfect as I'm going to be at it. And as many times as I might fail, I have a responsibility to see you as a part of the body of Christ that I'm a part of. I have a responsibility to see you as a brother or sister in the Lord. And I can't in the back of my mind be overly concerned on whether or not you're a Judas. Because I got, I got news for you, there's at least one in every room. And the beautiful thing about this is, is that God would have us move beyond our pain, beyond our hurt, by the healing of his incredible love. But we don't find the healing without the fulfillment of the commandment. The commandment is the word. The same way that you don't receive healing except through faith in his word. You can't have faith in an inferior alternative subject and find healing. It's faith in his word that releases healing to you. What's the word of Christ? The command of Christ. What's the healing that your heart needs? Love again. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when a desire comes, it's the tree of life. We have this misunderstanding about heart sickness that hope deferred makes the heart sick means that I got my hopes up about this person, they ended up being a Judas, they let me down, my heart got sick. No, it's hope deferred that made your heart sick. The word deferred literally means to draw back, but never release. 
Deferred means to draw back like a bow, an arrow. It's to draw back an arrow and never is it. Do you know where heart sickness comes from the majority of the time in the body of Christ? People that have been hurt now walking around their entire life like this. Try living in this kind of stress every day. Try living in this kind of restlessness every day. Your healing is found in the release. Some of you have to make a decision to release hope again. Some of you have to make a decision to release love again. Some of you have to make a decision to wash some feet again. Some of you have to make a decision to get the chair out from the closet, dust it off, and put it back at the spot where the Judas was and say, this is open again. This is open again. And it's not open again because it's gonna go perfect again. It's open again because the Lord said, love again. It's open again because the Lord said, hope again. It's open again because Jesus wants to build his church. Did you know that if you get hurt from a Judas and you put the chair away in the closet, you by default, without even knowing it, become another form of an inside man? Oh, we like to put the emphasis on the Judas. He's the inside guy. He's a guy that wasn't really living right, was two-faced, snuck in, did this to my family, said this to my wife. Oh, he's the problem. So because of that, we've closed up our life. We've said that it's possible to be able to have Christ and not the fellowship of the church. It's possible to be able to get to my destination without the companions for my journey. And do you know that as soon as you do that, as soon as you close off and you define the love of God for yourself, you become an inside man. You become an inside agent for something that you never wanted to be used for. How many of you know that Jesus always has a seat at the table? Jesus is asking for willingness. Jesus is not promising you that you'll never get hurt again. Jesus is not promising you that your discernment will be razor's edge every time and you'll just be able to tell, should I invest in this person, should I not? But I guarantee you the Lord will give you wisdom and nothing will teach you wisdom like living through a few Judases, amen? Nothing will teach you discernment like having to deal with a few Judases. And I believe that as you age and as you grow and this thing you'll get wiser, you'll get more defined and focused in choices that you make and how you divide up your life. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord Jesus can offer you no protection clauses from Judases because he didn't protect himself from Judases. And you're called to follow him, not some made up version of him. Jesus cannot offer you always the safety that you desire, but he can offer you the ability to become more dangerous than your enemy. Jesus can't always offer you comfy, cozy Christianity, but Jesus can offer you the ability to wash the feet of the people that deserve it and don't deserve it. Jesus can offer you the opportunity to always have bread and wine in your house. To always have a spot at the table. Our job is just to be willing to be willing. Our job is not to have become so hardened by life and have Judases that have hurt us and situations and circumstances and relationships that have gone awry that as we're going about in our to and fro, we're not a little bit more patient and kind than we were the day before. 
they were not a little bit more attentive to the hurt in somebody else. I was literally at the drive-thru the other day. This is crazy. I've never had this happen before. And I literally gave my card to the lady. And as soon as I gave her the card, she started crying. And it was like instinctual. I don't even know what happened. I don't do this a whole lot. I'm not superhero for Jesus like some people think that I am. I'm the same as everybody else. I go to Walmart. I just want to get my eggs and leave, dude. I don't want to talk to you. I've told God before, literally in the parking lot, when I go in here, do not talk to me. Don't want to hear who's hurting. Don't want to hear. I've, de- I've dealt with hurting people all day. Marriage is falling apart all day. Listen to them whine for two hours a day. I've been there, done that. Not good. I'm not doing that today. I'm going in. I'm, I'm off the clock. Want my cheese? Want my bread? <laughs> going home. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? How many of you know if you start praying that way, you're being an inside man? I literally handed my card to this lady. As soon as I gave it, she started crying. It was, it's, it was just instinctual. I don't even know what I was doing. I probably scared her at first, but she went to give me back the card and I grabbed her hand. And she like looked at me. It's like, I don't want the card, I want your hand. And she's like, it's like this little tug of war. I'm like, what's going on with you? She said, man, I'm in such terrible pain. Something going on in her back. Just instinctual, just rise up out of the inside of me, just praying, healing over her right there. I, I can tell you this is that if you make a decision to start putting chairs away, if you make a decision to start making the circle of your life smaller and smaller, if you practice Christianity wrongly, you'll get to a place to where in your day to day, you're just not even being Christ anymore. Because how you practice is how you will perform. If you practice a Christianity that's based upon you and Jesus and your morning coffee and your two little devotional pages and you get a little bat on the back from the Holy Spirit, but nobody else that day felt God's love, that's not biblical Christianity. That's American Christianity. That'll get you your check marks on your Bible app, but it doesn't fulfill the command of the Lord right in the middle of a Judas leaving the room which is let your love be so real that the world knows you're with me because of how you love each other. If your devotional time with Jesus doesn't move you out of devotion to reach out in compassion to a brother or sister, start with the family of God. Man, I gotta tell you, sometimes the church gets so backwards. I love lost people. I wanna see lost people saved. But how many of you know that if you can't practice love In the family, it is perverted and misguided to practice love everywhere else. If you give your best to strangers and your worst to your kids, something's wrong. If you turn it on for the lost, but you've got a cold heart to people in the church house, you're an inside man. There are people that are winning the lost like crazy. Listen to me. There are 50% being used by God and 50% being used by the enemy. And I would tell you in some cases, winning the loss like crazy, this is blow your mind, this is probably the most controversial thing I've said, that in some cases are 100% being used by the devil. Because the devil has no rules to engagement in the fight that he does. He doesn't care if you win the lost, but then through the testimony of your life being so lackluster when they actually get connected to it, and the state of a lot of churches being so broken that whenever they come inside the door, he doesn't care if they're found for a moment if they'll make a decision to reject the fate over immature Christianity for a lifetime. 
The enemy doesn't play by rules. Did you hear what I said? He doesn't play rules. He doesn't care who the inside man is as long as he's got one. And the only way to present yourself from becoming an inside man is you've got to keep a chair at your table for a Judas. So if, um, if being a Christian, being a part of the church um, is all about you, about all about me, what I can get from it, then you might be the problem. Because a lot of us want the five minute, I mean, our, in our society, a, a part of living in, in the world today is things fast, quick. The, and a lot of people, I, be, I believe this is a, a very true statement. A lot of us are coming to church to try to get a life hack to try to get whatever the best hack is to get through life in this week and have good friends and our family turn out good. It, it's not a life hack. Everybody know what a life hack is? And, and a lot of churches are presenting Christianity is basically that. You, for you to get a, the best hack on having a, a good life. It's way more than that. It's about, it's about giving ourselves up. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And then you don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. All the hacks fall in place. Jesus said, I'll provide you better than the best hack. Let me pray for us. If you have a need this morning, we want to we want to pray for you. So don't leave without without that. Pray with me right now. Father, may we look in the mirror and and determine whether or not we're the problem. Um, number 1. Number 2. Father, Show us the ways that we've been hurt. The things that we need to heal from, from, from experiencing Judas at the table. And help us to be like Jesus and minister even to Judas the best that we can before they leave the room. Because only in doing that do we fulfill the mission that you've put us on this earth for. Is to be that Jesus that ministers to, to Peter and to Judas and John all alike. Because we want to do that. To bring glory to you and to fulfill that purpose. So as we go from this place, may we live that way. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. Have an awesome week.